Hey, if you've got a Bible, open up to 1 Peter chapter 3. That's where we'll be here shortly. Um, there were some handouts in your seat. I uh, wanted to, to do that for you today. Um, the back side, just hang on to that. We'll get to that a little bit later. But the front side is what we'll be working on during the message. So last week we set up this series, just a little two-week series we're calling Share, uh, where we're trying to challenge ourselves and work on some things about evangelism. Last week, my goal was to help you see that there are no excuses. There are no excuses on the table for why we should not share our faith. And uh, all the fears, um, we tried to debunk those last week. So last week was all about what do we need to get rid of in our life so that we can focus on who God is. Today what we're talking about is what do we need in our lives so that we can share our faith. And so I hope today is helpful. Uh, I'm going to show you a very important passage, First Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. I think it'll give you a better understanding of evangelism and how it's going to work um, in your life best. Here's the deal. It's going to be very short today, but don't get excited because I'm coming back up at the end and it'll be about the same time as normal, okay? So when I finish and I offer the invitation, don't start looking at your watch going, sweet, this is the best day ever because I'm going to come up at the end um, and I'm actually going to walk you through just a simple way to think about uh, the way that we share our faith um, a simple little visual that's in my mind every single time I'm talking with somebody about Jesus. So I'll show you that at the very end after the invitation and everything. So don't get up. All right. Um, little workshop. So let's look at first Peter three, 13 through 15. I'm going to read it to you in its entirety. I'm going to pray and then we're going to come back and, uh, really look at it in detail. Okay. Here's verses, uh, 13 through 15. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not, be, do not fear them or be intimidated. But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Let me say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We pray, God, today that you would illumine our hearts and minds to the truths of your word and be challenged today, God, to live this, to live this out, God, that you've laid on my heart and God, as I've been trying to live it out, I pray, God, that each one of us will do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Peter is talking here to a group of men and women who are being physically treated poorly because everyone knows they are different. That's important to note, okay? These are early, these are early believers in the first century who uh, they, they seem to be living by a different set of rules and standards from everybody else, Okay? They're living in the Roman Empire, which at that point uh, was the stuff. It was the main, the main gig, the empire, the empire. And so uh, there was a culture, just like there's a culture for the United States, a kind of a common way that we do things. There was a culture in the Roman Empire. But these, these early believers that Peter's writing to, they're living contrary to that. There are certain things that they won't do that the rest of the culture does, and there are certain things that they do do that the rest of the culture doesn't do. They're living in the Roman Empire, but they are living under the reign of a different king than the Roman emperor. Right? That's the important thing to note. And when they do that, people notice. That's what we're recognizing in this passage, that they are being treated differently because of what they choose to do and what not to do. And Peter is telling them, be ready when the, be ready when the difficulties come. Be ready when you're treated poorly. And be ready to say why you act the way you do. Be ready to give an account of the hope that is in you. Be ready to speak on behalf of Jesus Christ and not squander the opportunity to share about him. 
And the whole idea of that led me to the question, do people notice that about me? Right? When I go into a restaurant and I sit down and eat with my family, does, my, does the waitress notice a difference in my family as opposed to the family that just sat in my seats? When I talk to a random stranger at Walmart, do they notice that there's something different about me? When I run into someone I went to school with 15 years ago or more, can they see the kingdom of God in me? Do people notice that there is something different about what I choose to do and not do? Y'all, that is what has plagued me this week as I've studied. That's what God has just been convicting me of and asking that question in my own heart, and I encourage you to ask it now. These first century believers had something going on that I'm not sure you and I get to experience a lot of today. I think there was something very, not unique, but something very uh, important and powerful that was going on for them. And there's so much more in this passage that we could unpack, and if I had 30 minutes to give to just this passage, we would do that. But I want to focus in on one word. There's one word that's so important, and it's found in verse 15. It's the word hope, right? Be ready, always ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And so the question is, do I hope in the Lord? Okay, so in our minds, uh, hope is often like wish. When we think of hoping for something, we think of wishing for something, right? And this was... uh, um, this was, I shared these three, same three things. My parents are in the room with me today. Um, and so you got, we've been praying for them. They're all better now. Don't worry. Don't stay away from them. Um, but they're all better. They're feeling awesome. And so I'm excited to hear them today, but they're going to laugh at some of this. Okay. Um, so I remember hoping that I got a Nintendo 64 as a kid for Christmas. Anybody? Nintendo 64? Anybody? Just me. I also remember hoping that when I turned 16, my parents would buy me a car. <laughs> I also remember hoping that when I got down on one knee that Kelly would say yes. Right? Those were hopes. Some of those were way out there. But so let me ask you, what's something, just for fun, what's something, uh, uh, guys and dads in the room, what's something you hope you get this year? Your family's maybe listening, okay? What's something you hope you get this year? Somebody throw something out. A football season. A football season. <laughs> Wishful thinking, man. <laughs> what else? What's something else? Ladies, something you hope you get. He's listening. He's right beside you if you're married. A house cleaned. A house cleaned. There we go. All right, boys, y'all hear that? They ain't listening. They ain't heard you. Y'all going to have to get on it. All right. So the problem with each of these examples, and maybe the ones that they gave to, are that um, I don't, I had differing levels of confidence in each one of those, right? The Nintendo 64 wasn't incredibly expensive. There was a shot, there was a pretty good shot at that. The car, we're talking about a little bit more money. (laughs) There was a, a maybe, and then when I got down on one knee, there was like a 25% chance she was going to say yes, Um, 75% no, right? I had differing levels of confidence about each one of those things. I didn't know if this was actually going to come true. Would this actually happen? Listen, this is not the idea behind biblical hope. 
Okay? What I just described to you is not what's going on in biblical hope. In the New Testament, if you don't know this, the New Testament was not written in English. Okay? It was written in Greek. And so Peter is writing a letter to a group of people in a totally different language. And the word he uses for hope here is the word elpis. E-L-P-I-S. Elpis. And to get LPs, here, if you're a note taker and you're looking at your notes and you're wondering, when's he going to get to number one? Here it is. Biblical hope looks more like anticipation than wishing. The word LPs, if you're going to get the idea of what's going on in that word, think anticipation, not wishing. To describe that, I'm going to tell you another story because I'm full of stories today. I can remember staying up. I remember the first time I stayed up all night long. Y'all remember that? You remember how powerful that night was? Like that was such a, that was such a moment of manhood for me. Like I felt like such an, I felt like I had conquered something. I don't know, but I felt like that was such a big deal. We had stayed at a friend's house uh, with a few others. We had played Nintendo 64 all night. Um, we had jumped on the trampoline when it was pitch dark and like aggravated all the neighbors because we were way too loud. But all we were doing was really buying time until one event took place. For whatever reason, we believed that you hadn't really stayed up all night until what came up? The sun. And when the sun came up, then you could go to bed, right? (laughs) You had done it. You had stayed up all night. And when that sun peeks over the horizon, you can celebrate. You did it. And with everything that we did to keep ourselves awake, video games, trampoline, surge. Do you all remember surge? That was a real thing. Surge was a drink. Uh, It was like green. Um, They still make it if you want to go check it out. Uh, But with everything that we did to try to keep ourselves awake, we always kept one eye on the sky. And the reason we did is because we wanted to see the sunrise. When the darkness began to lift slightly, y'all, this is cheesy and weird, we sat down. Like I remember us all sitting on the deck on the back of the house, and we watched the sunrise. A bunch of sixth grade boys watching the sunrise. I don't know. Anyway, it wasn't as cheesy and, and, uh, and, and weird as it sounds. Uh, it wasn't this tearjerker moment, but it was a sign that we had accomplished something. And in our minds, it was heroic, right? Something that we would talk about that week relentlessly at school. But listen, I was never afraid that the sun wouldn't rise. I never doubted it for a minute that the sun would rise because I know I'd been in science and also knew that every other day it had risen, okay? And so what I knew was that the sun would rise, but I was anxious for it to happen, okay? I wasn't anxious that I didn't know if it would happen. I was anxious for it to hurry up and happen. This is biblical hope. It's not, will will I get a Nintendo 64 for Christmas? It's, Man, I can't wait for that to happen. I can't wait for this thing to happen in my life. It's not founded in uncertainty. It's founded in confidence. You see, the believers that Peter writes to here are not wondering if God is going to hold up his end of the deal in the midst of their struggles. They aren't crossing their fingers as they pray. They are hoping. They're hoping. They are waiting with anticipation. And what God struck me with this week was I fear the reason that many don't ask why I seem different, why they don't notice that I I seem different is because I often don't look different because I lack 
hope. I waver in my confidence in who God is, or I'm just excited and anxious about something else, more so than who, what Christ has done in my life. And y'all, this is why evangelism seems like a struggle to so many Christians. It's why it seems painful. I read a pastor this week who said, and this is a little bit longer quote, but hang in there with me because, boy, it's good. He said this, It has become clearer to me than ever before that the reason we aren't more free and natural in testifying to our neighbors and associates about the reality of our hope in Christ is that we don't feel very hopeful. And if our hearts are not full of hope in the promises of Christ, then here is what happens when an occasion arrives to make a case for our hope. We sense it as a duty to defend doctrine instead of a delight to tell somebody why we are so hopeful. And that was so spot on for me personally, stomped all over my toes, so I'm sharing it with you so we can do this thing together. God, help us all see evangelism as a delight to tell someone why we are so hopeful. And the pastor said again, the way you get ready to make a case for your hope is to get hopeful. And so point number two, that's it. The way to get ready to make a case for your hope is to get hopeful. To get hopeful. Be reminded today of the goodness. And I don't know why you came in the building today, or how you came in the building today, but here's what I do know is I can guarantee you that most of us did not come in beaming with hope because we have TVs and social media. Every, every, at the top and bottom of every hour and sometimes in between of every news station, we're hearing about sickness and disease. We have enough political unrest going on in the world to make all of us hate elephants and donkeys. Thank you. Right? I don't even want to go to a zoo. I don't even want to look in the eyes of a donkey or an elephant right now. I'm just tired of it, and it's only going to get worse. And y'all, even our church looks different right now. Some of those we are used to, to seeing, we used to love seeing and, and hugging and all that stuff. Um, some of them are staying home, either for their own safety because they feel like that's what's best or because we can't offer kids ministry right now. They don't want to fight with kids. Parents say, praise the Lord. <laughs> I understand. I'm with you. I get it. We're working on it. I promise. News coming soon, okay? But side note, just a side note here. If you miss seeing someone at church, let them know. <laughs> just tell them, right? Let them know. Reach out to them. Send them a text. Don't pressure them. If they're staying home for reasons that feel good to them, then don't, don't, don't try to guilt them into coming back. But let them know that they're missed. Because here's what I know. I've reached out to pretty much everybody who calls East home, and here's what I know about them. They're not going anywhere else. Either they're watching the live stream or they're not. And so reach out to people. Some of you that are watching live stream, you're going to expect some text messages this week, all right? But they're not, go, they're not going to another campus, okay? You long-term East people, they're not going to Maine. Don't panic, okay? They're just staying home and they're watching online because they feel more comfortable with that. Just let them know that you miss them. Let them know that you miss them. But with all the negativity that's going on on TV and social media, it can be easy to find ourselves in a hope hole, Okay, just a hole. But that is not the plan of God. 
You see, God has a perfect design for us that does not involve hopelessness. It does not involve brokenness. It includes a booming relationship with him and spiritual blessings galore. God's plan for our lives is a good life in every aspect of the way. This is what God's word says of us, but that was messed up because of sin. And we are separated from God's perfect design and we're left in a state of brokenness. And we try to fix the feelings. Some people try to fix it with drunkenness or drugs. Others try to fix it with relationships, like dumb relationships that you should never be in. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been there. Or other people try to fix it with a social media account by posting that they're happy all the time and taking tons of selfies, even though you're totally broken inside. We try to fix it with all the self. Other folks try to live vicariously through their children, typically on a ball field, hoping they're more of an athlete than you were. Right, But all of these fail. All of these, as I knock my table over. All of these. All of these fail in fixing the relationship. We cannot fix this. We are broken vessels in need of fixing from someone else. And God could have left us alone in our sin, but he didn't. He chose to give us a way to recover and pursue his perfect design for our lives. And it was Jesus. He sent his son Jesus to live on the earth as a human. He lived the life that you and I couldn't by being completely sinless. And then he was put to death by crucifixion at the hands of his own community and his own people. And the Bible helps us see that when Jesus died, God took all of the sins that separate us from God's design and they placed them in Jesus' body so that they're no longer there for us. Jesus died with our shame and our guilt on him, not on us. And then he was buried, and he was actually raised to life on the third day. And that is what we call the gospel. And that's a church word that means good news. Good news. And the Bible says that this good news is available to everyone to receive its benefits And to be able to recover and pursue God's design for your life and your world, we must turn from sin to God, which is the word we use, repent, and believe that Jesus really was the only fix for our brokenness. And today, maybe for the first time in your life, you want to call out to God and experience what we're talking about here, this recovery and pursuit. You can tell God what's on your heart and ask him to save you from this brokenness and surrender your life to him. And if you'd like to do that now, you can do it. Simply talk to God through prayer. Or maybe you're like me and you've you've already been through the process. You're already a Christian. God's already been working on you, but you found yourself back in a place of brokenness just because of garbage going on in your life that you've allowed to go on or sometimes even outside of our control. You find yourself in a place of brokenness. The, the thing's the same for you. Turn from your sin. Recognize that the gospel is the only fix for your brokenness and return to Christ. Return to God through Christ. Today, the, the message that's been on my heart is, God, give me a reset this week, right? Just give me a reset. God, I, I've been overwhelmed with everything going on in the world, and God, I just need to be reminded that you're good 
and you're for me and you want to use me and you want to make a difference through me and, and I just need the, my hope in Christ supersedes any virus or any political issue because Jesus is the answer that I need to hold to and cling to more than any other thing in the world. And for those of us who are in Christ as believers, we can be confidently anxious that Christ is going to complete his promise to us. He's not leaving us here. So today, Patrick's going to come up, worship team's going to come up. I'm going to pray together. I want us to pray together. And after I pray, you stand with me and let's respond. Remember, the service is not over. All right, after this, we've still got a few more minutes. I want to show you something at the end. But if you want to talk with me about any decision that, that you're making today, I'm going to be down front. You can walk down front, grab me by the hand during the song. I want to talk with you about how you can trust in Jesus. I want to talk with you about how you can join the church. We had a couple this morning join our fellowship. Praise God for that, right? The Rodens. If you haven't been coming to the early service, you don't know them yet, but Charles and Gina Roden, uh, new to the area, been coming since we came back. So excited about them. Brick making a decision recently. The, the ground's fertile. If God's laid on your heart to make a decision today, do it. I'd love to talk with you about baptism or anything. I'll be up front. We'll have counselors by the back door if you'd rather go back there and talk to them. We just want you to not leave this place without dealing with whatever God's laid on your heart. For some of you, if you're a Christian, maybe it's just saying, God, help me get hopeful. Remind me of what Christ has done in me. Remind me of what you've done for me and in me. And that's where my heart's been. So whatever it is for you, The altar will be open for prayer as well. Let me pray. After I pray, we'll stand and sing and you respond. Father God, we love you and we thank you. God, that you have not left us on our own. God, to try to figure out life. God, to figure out our own brokenness. But God, in our brokenness, you sent Jesus. And God, I've been changed and brought out of that, God, but I keep finding myself back there. God, finding myself in a place of brokenness, uh, trying to fix my own brokenness sometimes, uh, filling it with other stuff. God, I'm, I'm coming before you, God, today, pastor of this church, but God, a Christian, God, needing you to reset me this week so that I can faithfully serve you and be hopeful so those I run into see a difference in me. I pray that over this whole congregation today, Father. As we respond to you, God, send your spirit to empower us to make the decisions. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do now, um, again, I told you at the very beginning, What I want to do is show you that scripture, what that scripture said was be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. Be ready to give an an argument, to give a, not an argument, a, uh, uh, the reason for the hope that is in you. And so today we've talked about the hope and you got to deal with God on the hope. The hope is an issue of the heart. You've got to talk with God. If you're not, if you're missing that hope that you need, then everything I'm about to show you is just going to fall flat. Okay. So you got to talk to God about that. But what I want to do is I want to show you a very simple way um, that you can think as you're having conversations with people. Um, well, I want to ask you, uh, what are when you have conversations with people, when people stop by your office, uh, when they send you a text, or you see them out somewhere, what are some of the things that, you, that people bring to you? What are some of the first things you talk about? Don't say the weather. We already got that. What's something we talk about? How's your mom and them doing? Yeah. After the pleasantries, what, what is it that we get to? What, are, what do we most often do when we talk to somebody else that we know and love? We talk about good things or we talk about bad things? <laughs> For me, 
the most of the encounters I have, I'm hearing some of this, most of the encounters I have are people bring, not bringing bad stuff, but they want to talk to you about their problems. Right? They want to talk to you, man, I've got a, I've got a, a teenage son who's just, um, just going off the deep end, or I, my, my mom is, is really, really sick, or, uh, or hey, we lost our car, or we lost our house. Or, like, that, that's the stuff that, I'm, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a pastor, y'all can tell me, but I feel like that's the conversations I see happening most often, especially uh, as a Christian, as I talk with other Christians. People are bringing those things. And what they're revealing in those conversations, whether they're a Christian or not, is that they're in a place of brokenness. Uh, skip to a slide f- uh, like four, I think, Daryl, or five, that has the brokenness up there. Go back one. So I want to show you. Go on and begin to fill this in on, on the outline that I gave you, on the back of the outline. But this is where most people are. They're in a place of brokenness, okay? And that's where, so that's why this, this model for evangelism is so helpful. Sit down over coffee with someone and ask, how are you doing? Most people are not going to say, great, never better. Right? Even if they are feeling good, they're going to think of something to say. And when they begin to talk about coronavirus, they begin to talk about the political world, they begin to talk about mama or the, uh, the teenage son, Right when that begins to come up, then you say this. This model is so perfect for that because you can help them see you are in a place of brokenness. Like if this is this is a bad place to be. This is where we are. But then then what you say next is you say, "Listen, man, I know the coronavirus is overwhelming, but look, you know that was not God's design for all this, right? I hate that I hate that your teenage son is going through this stuff, and, and I know it's so hard to parent, but you know that's not God's original design for that, right?" You begin to talk about God's perfect design. And, and that arrow, you talk about how God had this perfect design for each of us as individuals and for us as humanity, but sin broke that. Sin messed that up. That separates us from God's perfect design, and we find ourselves in a place of brokenness. And all those little squiggly lines, that's the stuff they're telling you about. I've talked to people who are, hey, man, I, my marriage is on the rocks. Right. Well, anytime. Well, this is that's a weird question to ask out loud. But anytime you're, if you're married, if you're having a lot of arguments with your wife or your husband, typically you, you, our natural tendency is to begin to do other things to either try to fix that or ignore the problem. Right. So you either stay gone a whole lot, <laughs> and so you don't have to be home with them, or uh, you 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 do other things that lead to much different types of sin. Right. Those little squiggly lines, that's what you begin to talk about as you're drawing them on a little napkin or whatever. You begin to talk about how we try to fix our own brokenness. We try to deal with what's going on in our lives and all these things. That may be drugs for the person you're talking about. It may be uh, uh, just uh, um, alcohol. It could be all those things I talked about at the beginning, the social media stuff. It could be anything that they're trying to fix their own brokenness. And it comes up quickly. When you begin to talk to people, and you recognize that they're, and you can help them recognize that they're in this place of brokenness, you can easily ask them, well, what have you tried to do about that? They're going to tell you <laughs> things they've tried to fix their own brokenness. And again, you tell them, that's not going to fix it. You see, we can't move back from brokenness to God's design on our own. And that's where you draw the third circle. And again, you don't have to draw these, but they're in my mind all the time. It's where we get to the third circle. And it's the gospel. And you tell them that's a church word. It means good news. 
And here's the good news, that Jesus, that God didn't leave us in our brokenness. He actually sent his own son to take the sin that separates us from God's design. He took it and absorbed it all into his own body. And that's a weird spiritual thing. And it's hard for us to comprehend, but that's what happened. That all the sin that separates us from God, Jesus took it in himself. And he lived a perfect life and was put to death by those that he loved, his own community and his own, his own people. He was put to death, buried, and our, our sins went in the tomb with him, but they didn't come out with him because Jesus was raised up on the third day. And the cool thing is that whenever we get to a place, going to skip to, to number seven, the gospel allows us, oh, go back. The gospel allows us to recover and pursue God's original design. That's what we need to talk about. The gospel allows us to recover and pursue. And who doesn't want that, right? You're telling them, you're in a place of brokenness. I've got the answer. You can recover and pursue God's design for your life. If they're in by this point, their question is going to be, well, how do I do that, right? That's the arrow between brokenness and gospel. Repent and believe. Repent is a fancy church word for change. It means to turn from where we are, turn from your brokenness, trying to fix it yourself, and come open-handed to God and ask him to help you. Um, kids, if you kids are doing this, any kids, and you struggle to write words, you can draw a heart in the first one. Draw a little heart. In the brokenness one, just draw crazy squiggly lines, like lightning bolts that represent how crazy our life is. And then the gospel, you can just draw a cross. Right? You can do this even as kids. You could do this as you start back to school next week. But whenever we talk about repent, it's, it's turning from our sin and turning back to, uh, back to God and believing, to believe that Jesus is the only fix for our problem, that he, was, he died, was buried, and was raised again so that we could, we could experience this perfect design. And this is, this is it. This is what I do. Now, here's the deal. I don't draw this. Like, if I, if I get into a conversation with someone who's artsy, man, I'm pulling out a napkin and I'm drawing it in a heartbeat. If I can gather that they're a visual person, the problem is most of our evangelistic techniques are all voice. You know, most people don't learn and engage that way. That's why you're, I'm losing some of you during the message, but then I put something on the screen. You're like, what is that? And so this evangelism tool, not only does it begin, it begins where they are in a place of brokenness, but it also engages them more if they're a visual learner. You can draw it on a, it's literally designed for you to draw on a napkin with a pen at a coffee shop and show them that God did not design you to stay in a place of brokenness, but to recover and pursue God's design through the gospel. Any questions or comments about that? little Q&A, it's okay. Questions? So one of our church members brought it this morning, um, something I've already talked about, and, but I didn't point it out. This is something that I use, and she brought it up, Miss Jean Brown brought it up. This is something you can use with Christians. <laughs> Again, we don't just find ourselves in a place of brokenness one time, you know, like before we're a Christian. We can find ourselves there a lot. Right? And the, the process is the same for you and I. We don't have to believe again. We don't have to repent again necessarily. But we've got to remember why we repented in the first place. We've got to remember that God did not design us to stay in a place of brokenness, but to recover and pursue God's design. 
And if you, if you have a conversation with someone and it leads all the way up to this point and you ask them, would you like to recover and pursue God's design for your life and stay out of that place of brokenness? And if they say yes, you, lead, you can lead them in a sinner's prayer. You can, whatever, whatever, you know, somebody did something with you, if you were a prayer. What I like to do is I say, hey, well, that repent and believe, that's what we do. And so what you need to do is just pray a prayer, either in your heart or out loud right here at the table, and call out to God and ask him to save you because you can't save yourself, that you're in a place of brokenness and you need help. And tell him that you believe that Jesus was his son who died on the cross and was raised again. And ask him to save you. And I don't usually do a, you repeat after me, I usually do that with children. But teenagers and up, I usually let them pray their own prayer. Whatever you choose to do. This is a helpful thing. It all, like I say, it's also helpful if you're just talking to a friend who's already a Christian. Just to remind them, dude, God didn't design. Quit making more squiggly lines. <laughs> That's you trying to fix it yourself. Surrender again to the gospel and recover and pursue. And then the recover and pursue part. Pursue is important. Recover happens one time. Pursuit is ongoing, right? I didn't receive God's design for my life perfectly and fully the moment I trusted in him. In one sense, spiritually, I did. But God's going to, I've been a Christian for 26 years now, and I still don't look like Jesus. And that's a good opportunity for you to share that. Even, Even though you committed your life to Christ today, God's not done with you. And you've got a long life where God's going to make you look more like Jesus. And it's a good opportunity just to encourage them. to not, you've, only not, you've recovered the God's design, but now it's time to pursue it. And so I hope this is helpful. If you're not a visual learner, you may have lost it. You're like, I don't know, I can't do this. Visual people, I know this is hitting home with you, okay? This is helpful. Um, so I'm going to send, the request came this morning in the, in the first service to send, uh, to send this out, to send this little PowerPoint out in images so that you can see it and have it. If you go to the next slide, there we go. There's actually an app for this. I didn't bring this up in the first service, but there's an app. You can go and you can download it on your phone, and you, could, you don't even have to draw it. If you're like, oh, I'm a terrible drawer, I can't even draw a circle, it's got you just literally flick through it, and you could show someone over coffee or your children as you're sharing with them. Um, you can find this. Uh, you can go to the App Store or Google Play. But this, again, this is something that is all, this visual is always in my head when I stand before you and preach and when I talk to somebody about Jesus. It's been super helpful for me as I've tried to engage people with the gospel, and I pray it's helpful for you as well, okay? And so if you have any questions about this, please let me know after. Send me an email or whatever. Holler at me. Um, but I'm so excited that you guys are here. I'm going to, uh, so announcements before we go. Um, this coming week, uh, Wednesday night, uh, Kenny, what are the students going to do? We had not had this. Are y'all, y'all are cool if we have a staff meeting right quick? Are y'all going to go with us or are y'all going to be here? Okay. All right. So um, Wednesday night at 630, we got an opportunity uh, to go and pray over a school. And so Harvest Elementary is going to be opening up um, like a month later. You know, they're doing the virtual thing for the first month. But the principal reached out to me and just I asked him if there's anything we could do. He said, hey, dude, you can come pray over our school. And so as a principal, I know that, that he's nervous, he's more uncertain about this coming year than he probably has been. Chris Gunnels has been out there for a long time. But we're going to meet at Harvest Elementary. We'll have a crew here um, right at 6.30 if you don't know that you can follow them out there. But we're going to meet at Harvest Elementary and just pray. And I don't yet know if we're going to be standing outside or if we're going to, 
I don't know what we're going to do. I know we won't be able to touch a lot, but we're going to be there to pray over them. And so be here Wednesday night at 6.30, either at Harvest or be here, and we'll get you there. Um, youth and everything will be over there. Everybody's going to pray. Um, and in doing that, we'll also be praying for um, our, uh, uh, our other schools that we help represent. So, um, And then uh, also, on your way, if you're a guest here with us, and you haven't filled out the online connect card, that's all we're doing right now. We're not doing uh, hand, uh, handout cards. But if you'd like to, you can text East uh, Connect to 31996. That'll send you a link uh, just to let, uh, and you can click on that link. And then that will uh, send you to a little quick form. You can fill it out very quickly. And today we've got a T-shirt for you, East T-shirt, that you can leave here with if you fill this out and show it to them on your way out. It would be awesome. Also, uh, giving. Y'all know... We got. I know how, y'all are all waiting, waiting for me to talk about giving. How can I give, Heath? You can give by texting East Give to three one nine nine six as well. Kenny is back there by the beautiful blue bucket. Um, you can also give in our sand bucket on the way out today that says Lindsay Lane East on it, and uh, or just hand it to Kenny if you just want to give him a tip today on the way out. You're welcome to do that. Um, but if you're watching online, definitely use the online giving. Uh, I'm going to say a prayer, and in this prayer, I'm, I am going to be uh, praying a commissioning prayer over our teacher. Are there any teachers in the room? Teachers in the room? Teach, yeah, yeah, homeschool or reg, or like public school, private school. All right, cool. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to voice a prayer over our over our schools that we partner with and over our teachers, and then we'll be dismissed, all right? Father God, we thank you so much, God. Uh, I know watching online in the first service and in the second service, God, we've got teachers here. God, whether they're moms who do homeschool, God, whether they're teachers who, who teach other, uh, other people's kids, or God, whatever they're, maybe they're doing online this year um, with all the craziness going on, God, whatever, God, we pray for all of our teachers that call East home, God, that you would give them the passion and the encouragement that they need, God, to get through this year, um, God, to teach well this year. And God, we pray for our students. Uh, God, there's going to be so many more reasons to be distracted, God, so many more things to to keep them from staying focused. Um, God, I just pray for focus for them. And uh, God, I know I've got one that's going to be in, in first grade this year. God, I know there's going to be so many distractions for her. God, I pray that you would remove all those um, in each of the schools. And so, Father, I pray, we pray a special prayer over three schools that we work with on a regular basis. God, for Harvest Elementary that we'll be praying over this week. God, we pray for the administration there with Chris Gunnels. I pray, God, that you'd give him um, uh, just uh, quick decision making when the, when it needs to be, and God give him wisdom uh, to make the longer term decisions that he needs to make. Um, God, we pray for Miss Dana Reinhardt over at Creekside. God, I pray that you would be with her and her staff. God, that they would uh, do the same, be able to make decisions and uh, be able to uh, to do what they need to do. And God, we pray for Johnson Elementary and God, um, uh, just such an awesome school there too. And God, I pray for all those. Uh, administrators there, God, I pray that they would um, that they would have that same decision making that I've prayed for the other two schools, Father. And uh, we lay all this at Your feet, God, because we don't know the future, but You do. And God, we trust You more than we trust ourselves. So, Father, God, help us today to honor You and to love You in Jesus' name. Amen.